You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in just a moment, but we begin with some breaking news. Scathing words and a unanimous decision from the BC Court of Appeal late this afternoon overturning the ruling of a judge who acquitted a dangerous driver. That driver's excessive speeding killed a doctor. Jill Bennett was in the courtroom and has more on what the judges had to say and reaction from the victim's family. Jill. Chris, in overturning that acquittal and replacing it with a guilty verdict, all three appeal court justices found that the trial judge made legal errors. They also found that for someone to be driving that fast is so wildly beyond any safe standard, it is in fact criminal. Good day! Monique Huey hasn't had a lot to smile about Hi. until today, and her joy is bittersweet. It's been three and a half years since I've had something good to say to my mom. It's been three and a half years since we've had something good to communicate to our family. In 2015, Huey's father, Dr. Alphonsus Huey, was hit at Oak Street and 41st by an Audi. His Suzuki slammed into a nearby gas station and he died. Dashcam video that caught the crash was key evidence in the trial. The driver of the Audi, Ken Chung, was charged with dangerous driving causing death. He'd been going as fast as 143 kilometers an hour, but slowed to 119 just before the crash. A provincial court judge ruled even though Chung accelerated in the span of one city block, it was a momentary lapse and he was acquitted. I feel that it is very incomprehensible to me to draw any conclusion other than it was a criminal activity. But in a unanimous decision, three appeal court justices found the judge made a legal error. Anyone going almost three times the speed limit in a busy intersection would know they created risk. They replaced that acquittal with a guilty verdict. Everything that we have been bewildered about, you know, not understanding um, this past year since the original acquittal was, was actually, we had good grounds to be bewildered and to be outraged, because they were outraged too. Since her father's death, Huey has worked relentlessly to get stiffer penalties for dangerous driving, even getting more than 100,000 signatures on a petition. So I am so excited to be able to go back to everybody who lent a voice, who also felt like this was wrong, and tell them that they, they got it right. They got it right today. Ken Chung was not in the courtroom today for that appeal hearing. The case now gets sent back to provincial court for a sentencing. However, there is a window where the defense could make a decision on whether or not to try and take this to the Supreme Court of Canada. Chris? All right, Jill Bennett in Vancouver. Thank you. And details just coming into our newsroom now about a fall involving a child. BC EHS is confirming that they were called to a home on East 11th in Vancouver. The child apparently fell from a second-story window or a balcony and was taken to hospital by ground ambulance. No word on the child's condition so far, but we'll bring you more on this breaking story as it comes into our newsroom. Now to some dramatic testimony at the first-degree murder trial of Oscar Arfman, the man accused of killing Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. Today, the first witness to run to Constable Davidson's aid took the stand. Ramina Dea has more on her testimony and the fallen officer's last radio transmission. Powerful audio played in court for the first time. The police radio transmission with Constable John Davidson's final words before he was shot and killed. 
Davidson. I'm behind the Mustang, unmarked, dispatch. Two more gunshots. Constable Murray, John, where are you? Officer down, officer down, EHS, code three. John Davidson's been hit, shots fired. Mustang gone on arrival from this location. During his testimony, Constable Murray described how he saw Davidson on the ground, flat on his stomach, hands above his head, and the brightest red blood coming from his head. Jaron Skett, a civilian eyewitness, was the first person to come to Constable Davidson's aid. Skett, who sells insurance, in tears during her testimony. She was sitting in her office, looking through the window when she heard the shots. I heard two shots. I saw the end of Officer Davidson falling. He wasn't moving. I called 911. I ran out to Officer Davidson. He shouldn't be alone. I grabbed his radio off his belt. I tried to call for help. He was lying face down. His hands were above his head. He never moved. Oscar Arfman has pleaded not guilty to one count of first-degree murder. Romina Dea, Global News. And now a tragic development in a heartbreaking case involving the murders of three young children. Their mother, the ex-wife of Alan Schoenborn, has died. Schoenborn was convicted of killing his three children, Caitlin, Max and Corden, in Merritt in 2008. And today we learned from a family spokesperson, Dave Teixeira, that the children's mother, Darcy Clark, died Thursday evening. Teixeira says in the wake of her children's death... Clark served as an advocate for victims' rights. More tonight on the sparks flying at the B.C. legislature yesterday. The last day of the spring session saw some high drama brought on by the Speaker, Daryl Plekis. He says he only wanted to protect the data on legislature hard drives. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria right now. And Keith, let's talk about the fallout from this and what might be the calm before the next storm. Yeah, it certainly is a lot calmer here today, Chris, than it was yesterday. Yesterday, everybody's walking around here today shaking their heads going, can you believe what happened yesterday with that uh, incredible scrum with uh, Daryl Plekis, uh, accusations flying back and forth between him and the B.C. Liberals about surveillance and uh, and all sorts of things like that. Uh, today, most people here glad the session's over. The politicians are, are gone. All that's left here are the staff who spent most of the day uh, thanking and saying goodbye to two long-term, uh, long-serving sergeant-at-arms officers who had their differences with Daryl Plekis. Uh, nobody here, but we did keep, uh, catch up with two politicians, Andrew Wilkinson of the BC Liberals and Mike Farnworth of the NDP on Focus BC, our weekly uh, provincial affairs program. Wilkinson saying basically Daryl Plekis is on a witch hunt. Mike, Hark- Mike Farnworth saying, look, at the end of the day, BC politics in the legislature is always a raucous place. Here's the two of them. We are responsible to the voters of British Columbia. So let's get on with the work and stop all of this backroom cloak and dagger stuff that Speaker Plekis seems to enjoy. And the way to do that is to get someone more responsible in the chair. This is BC. Uh, this is not the first time that the legislature has been, uh, has been a raucous place. We want to ensure that it, uh, that it functions the way that it's supposed to and that people have confidence. So a lot of people have been asking me today, Chris, what happens next? All I can say, I don't think anybody really knows that, but uh, always now, I think the rule of thumb here is expect the unexpected, because that's been the pattern since day one when Plekis first made his allegations. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen next, but I have a feeling something will develop on this file before uh, the, the legislature reconvenes come October. Probably something this summer is going to happen. Yeah, it may not be a quiet summer after all. All right, Keith, yeah. we know you'll be on it. Thank you very much. 
Starting tomorrow, there will be a little more spending money for most low-income earners in B.C. Minimum wage climbs $1.20 an hour to $13.85. As Catherine Urquhart reports, while those making the money are obviously happy, businesses are concerned it's driving other costs up. At the People's Co-op Bookstore on Commercial Drive, Emily Laurent makes about $15 an hour. She feels fortunate. The 24-year-old knows what it's like to make minimum wage. How difficult is it to survive on minimum wage? Um, nearly impossible, I would argue, um, as far as the rents in this city go. For those who do earn minimum wage, it's going up $1.20 an hour as of June 1st, jumping from 12.65 to 13.85, with annual increases bringing BC's minimum wage to $15.20 by the year 2021. So it's not just labor costs going up, but we have the health tax that just went up. Liquor prices are going up, food prices are going up, gasoline prices are going up. So for an operator, particularly an independent restaurant, it's hard for them to sort of see their way through. Approximately 175,000 people are directly employed in the restaurant industry in this province, many of whom will be impacted by the wage increase. The hospitality industry wants to pay their employees, so it's not a question of we don't want to pay them, but it's a question of when you talk about affordability in British Columbia, you have to also look at affordability for a small business. Back on Commercial Drive, Emily believes people should be paid more. I don't think we should be striving towards the minimal standard of living. That's why I like the term um, livable wage, because which would be probably $21 or $22 an hour. Come September, she'll pursue higher learning at grad school and eventually hopes to earn a more livable wage. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. More headaches and disruptions for drivers in Coquitlam dealing with backups due to construction by Fortis, B.C., the company has hit another snag as it tries to lay new pipeline under Como Lake Avenue. And that's where we find our Jordan Armstrong tonight. Jordan works at a standstill again, causing some major frustrations. What happened? Well, Chris, we're at Como Lake and Porter. You can see all the construction equipment is here and the road is partially closed, but there are no workers on site. They've been told to stand down while Fortis investigates the trench stability here. It is the latest hiccup for the project, which involves the gas company burying new pipeline under Como Lake. Earlier this month, a sinkhole further reduced traffic between Blue Mountain and Robinson Streets, a sinkhole the city of Coquitlam blames on the Fortis construction. The two sides have been feuding about this pipeline since the early design of the project. Fortis had always planned to just leave the old pipe in place. That decision and this delay not sitting well with Mayor Richard Stewart. It's incredibly frustrating for our residents in our community uh, because this is our major east-west uh, arterial. Well, we've had repeated failures of the trench stability. The, the sidewalls of the trench have collapsed uh, well, four times significantly requiring closure of the roads. And now we understand that Fortis has actually shut down the construction completely so that they can re-evaluate their uh, trench practices uh, and see if they can come up with a method that won't allow the trench to collapse and cause the damage to the road. All right, uh, Jordan, what's the gas company say about all of this? 
Chris Fortas is downplaying the delay tonight. A statement from the company reads, quote, we expect to resume work in Coquitlam by early next week. We expect this pause to have minimal impact to our overall project schedule with construction on track to finish later this year. Certainly commuters who use Como Lake hope that's true. It's a busy route at most times of the day and these lane closures aren't helping. Chris? Well, let's hope it's back on track soon. All right, thanks very much, Jordan. Good news for parents looking for affordable child care. There's a new option in Vancouver. A ribbon-cutting ceremony today for the opening of Kids at Marine YMCA Child Care Center, which will provide 37 spaces for infants and toddlers. The facility is also enrolled in the Provincial Child Care Fee Reduction Initiative, which reduces fees by $100 to $350 per child per month. The facility came about as part of an in-kind offering to the city from Concord Pacific. And this really helps us accommodate growth, so it's not, it's, uh, we need lots of new housing here in the city, but we also need all the amenities that go with this housing. So these are really significant contributions that are negotiated, and this contribution here uh, equates to almost $7 million, which is, you can see, the type of investment that's needed to move this along, but also how important it is for the city and the uh, building community to work together. Right now, though, a South Surrey mother is going public tonight with a private family battle. Maggie Plett's son died in a recovery house in Surrey, the condition of which was so bad she's calling on the provincial government to take action. Nadia Stewart has her story and how the province is responding. That's when we both decided that, you know, we could try a recovery house. Maggie Platt says her son Zachary's drug addiction was born out of his struggles with mental health. It's why he left BC for specialized treatment in Winnipeg last June, returning at the end of November, ready for a second chance. But not too long after dropping him off at the first recovery house. He called me a few hours later and said, I'm not at that house. They've transferred me somewhere else. There were problems. He quickly moved to step-by-step -step recovery in Surrey, where two days later he died of a fentanyl overdose. He told his mom what the living conditions were like, but when she went to get his belongings, Maggie saw for herself. His bed sheets had mold on them. Like the room, it smelled, it was that dirty, musty smell. It, everything was in disarray. The furniture was all, you know, cracked and broken. There was a hole in the wall. Like it was terrible. A current resident sent this video telling Global News the living conditions have not improved since Zachary was found dead in December 2018. This home has been the subject of complaints, everything from the quality of the food served to its condition. Across the board, step-by-step -step was deemed not in compliance by the Ministry of Health, the most recent report filed earlier this month. We're finalizing regulations and enforcement for recovery homes. Mental Health and Addictions Minister Judy Darcy says new rules surrounding the conditions of and care received in recovery homes is long overdue. We've been working really closely with the recovery community, with the health authorities, with the BC Centre on Substance Use and health authorities uh, to make sure we get these regulations right and you can expect them by the end of the year. The new regulations, still too late to save Maggie's son. But she's hopeful by sharing Zachary's story, lives will be saved. Nadia Stewart, Global News. The federal government is giving B.C.'s green economy a big boost, handing out some more pre-election money, this time to a tech company. 
Liberal Cabinet Minister Jonathan Wilkinson giving $5 million to Burnaby company Nano One, which is developing better lithium-ion batteries. Climate change is clearly an environmental threat, but it is also an economic opportunity and a detailed and comprehensive clean tech strategy that is focused on the growth of small companies into medium-sized companies and ultimately into large companies is very, very important. The battery technology Nano One is developing will be used in everything from electric vehicles to consumer electronics and even grid storage. Well, it will come as a surprise to probably no one that an annual BC festival celebrating craft beer is celebrating enormous growth on its 10th anniversary. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, even some people in the industry are surprised at the level of its success. From the brewing to the pouring and tasting, craft beer, more often than not, is what people are drinking in BC. Brew Hall, one of hundreds of businesses serving up craft beer across the province. Yeah, it's 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 pretty mind-boggling because uh, the, the craft beer scene in Vancouver, it's very young and it's changing constantly and what beer looked like even two years, five years ago is absolutely different from today. What has been seen as a hipster drink with a very specific flavor profile has morphed into beer for everyone. This year, the trend towards fruity, sour flavors with lower alcohol content. The craft beer industry capturing more of the big guys' share every year. I mean, when we started back in 2010, when we had our first VCBW, there was probably 50 or 60 breweries. This year, we're definitely crossing over the 200 number for sure. It's crazy. Craft Beer Week is in its 10th year. The first festival saw 100 people sitting around sampling beer. Now the number will hit 30,000 across the week-long event. And as with other major festivals in the city, craft beer is giving back. A special brew has been created, and all the proceeds helping workers in the hospitality industry deal with medical emergencies. It might be for themselves, it might be for one of their children, it might be for a spouse as well. So we, uh, we're last resort, but we've uh, helped out people over the last 12 years to the tune of uh, just over a million dollars. The big festival goes next weekend, 100 plus breweries offering up tasters from across the Pacific Northwest. The industry pumping serious dollars into the local economy. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The battle against wildfires in Alberta continues to intensify as more communities receive evacuation alerts and the number of evacuees nearly doubles. The fire risk is at very high or extreme across the entire northern half of the province. More than 10,000 people are now out of their homes across the province with no relief in sight. More extreme burning conditions with high temperatures and gusting winds are expected for at least the next two weeks. Global's Joel Senek has the latest. Northern Alberta remaining on high alert Friday. More than 10,000 people have been evacuated from their homes due to out-of-control wildfires, and that number could grow. In the town of Slave Lake, residents like Colleen Olson are being told to be ready to leave if necessary. When they give you the eight-hour notification, it's like, um, okay, do I have to panic? 29 wildfires are burning in Alberta. Nine are considered out of control. Officials in one Métis settlement say the flames have destroyed more than a dozen homes in their community. We do have 80 homes in that eastern area where the fire is going that are definitely in danger as well. 
Across the region, roughly 2,300 firefighters are dousing the blazes. In the air, helicopters and air tankers are also on the attack when they can be. We do require a certain amount of visibility in order for helicopters and those air tankers to fly, and therefore we have actually had trouble getting them out um, to assist with that firefight over the last couple of days. And the smoke isn't just hampering first responders. Albertans hundreds of kilometers to the south are now breathing it in. As of Friday afternoon, Environment Canada listed the air quality at 10 plus here in Calgary, the highest risk level on their scale. If you can avoid being out on this as much as you can, that's going to help. Uh, the longer you're in the conditions, the more strenuous activity you're engaging in, the more it's going to have an effect. Everyone hoping Mother Nature can help with the smoke and flames. We're not out of this yet. Uh, we're expecting uh, at least a couple of more very difficult weeks, uh, given the lack of precipitation. Which is why officials are urging the public to stay informed and reach out for help if needed. Joel Senek, Global News. In B.C., there are 40 active fires. Thankfully, most of them are small and none are threatening communities at the moment, although fire officials are keeping a very close eye on the northwest and Prince George regions. And just like Alberta, the fire hazard rating across virtually the entire northern half of B.C. is either high or extreme. So they're urging people to be very careful in the backcountry and hoping for some help from Mother Nature. Fortunately, it looks like we might see some scattered showers in that northern area of the province that we were mentioning is of great concern. Um, more towards the south, looks like things are going to remain pretty warm and sunny over most of the weekend. And moving into next week, we should hopefully see some more cool and showery conditions that are a bit more typical of June. South of the border, yet another mass shooting in the U.S. tonight, this time in Virginia. And multiple live victims that are coming out. A man described as a longtime public utilities employee walked into the Virginia Beach Municipal Center and opened fire. He killed at least 11 people and injured six more before he was killed in a shootout with police. No word yet on the identity of the shooter or his motive. One of the world's most active volcanoes in the world is putting on another spectacular show tonight. Italy's Mount Etna lighting up the night sky with explosions of hot lava. The overnight eruptions generating rivers of lava streaming down the southeastern slope after a fissure opened on the crater. At this point, there's no danger to people who live near the mountain. In Health Matters tonight, a new study is raising another red flag about some video games. Researchers from Ohio State found that children who play video games involving gun violence are more likely to exhibit risky behavior with real guns. They say kids who played games with some kind of violence were more likely to touch a real but disabled handgun, and they also handled that weapon longer and pulled the trigger more times at themselves and at others. What appears to be some very good news for our resident killer whale population. Fisheries officials confirmed tonight after seeing this photo that J-Pod has a new addition, a newborn calf spotted by researchers off Tofino, still displaying the orange coloration and fetal folds associated with a recent birth. The calf was with two adults. Resident killer whales are classified as endangered with a population of only 76 left in the wild. Just ahead of Kasha and the weekend weather forecast, let's check in with Jay Janauer, who's at the Queen Charlotte Lodge with a, club, a couple of lucky global contest winners. Jay? Well, if you're wanting to head out on the water and go fishing, why not do it in the Haida Gwaii? Why not do it at Queen Charlotte Lodge? And why not be contest winners? Congratulations. Thank you very much. Give, give me your first impressions on being here up at Queen Charlotte Lodge. 
We fly in here via Helijet, and the lodge is waiting for you. We've got the boats. Your thoughts, Nancy? Breathtaking. That's it. No, no other words. <laughs> so whose decision was it to, to enter the contest, and who entered it? Nancy insisted that I enter it, so that's what happened. And you always have to listen to your wife. So you, you, did you <laughs> have some sort of intuition, Nancy? No, <laughs> not at all. So have you thought, are you going to be big game fishers on the water? Are we going for halibut? Are we going for salmon? What, what's the game plan? Go for the salmon, go for the salmon, and if we can get that, try some halibut too. I like them both, so either way. And a weekend full of memories. Definitely. Good well, memories. Well, we have our contest winners. We have perfect weather. It looks like it's going to be a full weekend of fishing. Back to you. Man, it is spectacular up there. How lucky are they? Uh, okay, well, let's check in with uh, Kasha right now. On a... Oh, spelling bee. Are we doing the spelling bee? Let's do the spelling bee. I should have read the words properly. People are still buzzing about the unprecedented finish to the world's most famous spelling bee. And there you have it. A picture that will be on the front page of every newspaper and website. Coming up in just a moment, how many students will have to share the championship trophy? Very strange finish this year. Okay, now we can check in with Kasia and <laughs> no, a look at I'm the forecast. Here. Yeah, a little, still a little bit of haze out there, but yeah. lots, of, lots of sunshine too. A little bit better today. We've had a push of marine air break things up a little bit, and I'll show you why coming up. Good, mor good morning. Oh, my goodness. I usually do the morning show. Good evening <laughs> to you. I'll be back tomorrow morning as well. We are sitting at 21 degrees, and the hot spot in the entire country goes to you and Ashcroft, a whopping close to 34 degrees at this hour. Isn't that something? Tis the last day of the month, and this is when we talk about the most notable weather features, that being the lack of rain that we had picked up throughout the month. Vancouver usually picks up 65 millimeters of rain throughout the entire month. We only picked up 30. Isn't that something? But slight changes to come with a ridge of high pressure that's migrating ever so slowly further east. It's going to be opening up the door to that marine air mass that I showed you, and then a little active weather to the north. And eventually late, wake, late week, we're going to start to see an active weather pattern again for us. In the meantime, this marine air mass, it's also going to be shifting the smoky air further east. So not good news for interior sections as well as our friends in Alberta. Uh, and the majority of the most concentrated smoke is going to be confined to the northeast of the province. Uh, that's going to be through the weekend. And then it should be dissipating by late Sunday with the passage of a cold front. Speaking of fronts, look at this weather that's occurring right now. A fair amount of thunderstorms and still we do have a potential for thunderstorms to the north northeast of the province, as well as the southeast of the province. Gusty conditions develop into the afternoon for you in Fort St. John at 23 degrees. It's also going to be a windy one for you in Terrace, 17 degrees. Morning showers, then another round of showers into the evening. No showers expected here, just possibility of thunder showers to the southeast of the province. Hazy, smoky conditions, temperatures above seasonal, and a beauty along the coast, 21 to 25 degrees for you in the city of Vancouver. This will look at your long range forecast guys we could really use the rain but i think a lot of people will be happy with all that sun over the weekend we end off with the weather window brought to us by john buswood vivid colors today over false creek now we need 
the rain, but we also could use some activity, right? Where is Canada's most active community, you ask? Well, if you can prove it's where you live, $150,000 is on the line. That's how much participation will award the city or town that wins the participation community better challenge. It's open to all communities and individuals starting today. The winning community will get $150,000 to support local physical activity initiatives. To participate, download the free participation app and track your physical activity minutes. Uh, that's starting now until June the 16th. Learn more at participation.com. Spend too much time sitting during the day, but hey, you know, might be Vancouver. Looks good. Thanks very much, Kasia. The NBA and Stanley Cup finals might be getting the sports world's attention, but they are getting a run for their money from the world's most famous spelling bee. People still talking about last night's unprecedented final. Happen to know what time it is? Uh, it's 11.18. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's getting late. After a grueling three and a half hours lasting past midnight, the organizers of the script Spelling Bee called it with no fewer than eight co-champions. After they'd finished two final rounds, organizers told the stunned crowd that anyone who got through the third round would be a winner. Well, all eight remaining contestants were perfect. Although in retrospect, they might have given the exhausted winners a heads up about the confetti cannon. The spelling bee. <laughs> <laughs> Little surprised. Each winner gets their own Scripps Cup and $50,000 for a total prize payout of $400,000. Well done, kids. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It's pretty good. They just didn't want to go through the night. They don't want to go through the night. They'd still be going. <laughs> I think those kids are so bright. There was no word. They didn't know. What are the words that we know Unreal. the overtime words would be? Yeah. i got to find out. I know. All right, mind you, you should see how I spell <laughs> on my script. Lots to celebrate for the Whitecaps tonight before the first kick. Even. Yes, that's good to see y'all. Most of the guys, I mean, some of them have left us now, but mm -hmm. most of the guys came back. Ironically, the guy who scored the two goals in the soccer bowl, Trevor Weimark, is kind of a recluse and he didn't want to come back for the well, celebration, which is too bad. Uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps are going back in time tonight, honoring the 1979 soccer bowl champion team, but... Lost in all of this time travel is how the present-day Whitecaps are starting to get results. It might not be pretty when they win, but they give you points for wins and ties. They don't give you points for style in soccer. In their last seven games, the Whitecaps have three wins, three draws, and just one loss. And tonight, Toronto is here. Speaking of Toronto, the Raptors are up 1-0 in their series with Golden State. Three more wins, and the Raptors can hear Freddie Mercury saying we are the champions. You don't play it before then, though. Uh, once again, Toronto's defense was its most effective weapon, but the ones not named Kawhi helped Kawhi quite a bit last night offensively, like the guy beside me, Pascal Siakam. I don't mean Chris Galas, I mean Pascal Siakam. <laughs> he had the game of his life, but Toronto boss Nick Nurse says he knows that winning one game does not make a series. I think, I think we know that the um, games are really hard, and we know that after a win, the team gets, it gets beat, gets really determined. Um, they try to fix things, and mostly uh, you know, play a lot harder and, and more physical and all those kind of things. And um, the, for us, we you know, just had a lengthy, lengthy film session. There was plenty on there that we need to do better if we, if we want to win another game in this series. 
So we've got to fix those things and um, get ready to play a game and treat it as a game. Well, it certainly makes things easier that the Raptors did not have to eat any KD for dinner last night. Kevin Durant missed game one with a calf injury, and he won't play game two on Sunday either. The thinking is when he's ready to play, he'll play. Um, it's not like, uh, you know, this is a sore ankle or, you know, his knee is sore or whatever, and you can play through it. And this is a, this is a tricky one. If you re-injure the calf, then that's it. And then he's done for the, for the series. So when he's ready to play, he'll play, and that's our approach. And, of course, it wouldn't be a Raptors game without a Drake moment, having a debate with Draymond Green at the end of the game. I think Draymond said he didn't like hotline bling, and then they went after each other. Whatever the case, some called it a scuffle. Draymond begs to differ. It wasn't really a scuffle because I didn't hit him and he didn't hit me or I didn't push him or he didn't push me. We talked. We barked a little bit, but I wouldn't necessarily consider that a scuffle. Not really what I personally would consider a scuffle. Yeah, that didn't look very scuffly. Mm -hmm. Uh, when the BC Lions signed free agent defensive back Aaron Grimes, they didn't just improve life for their defense. They also reunited a couple of old friends from down the road in Seattle who had not played together since they were back in high school. They are the Lions' new odd couple. Defensive backs TJ Lee and Aaron Grimes have been childhood buddies since they were seven years old. But you couldn't find two more different personalities. Lee is the quiet type. What's going on? Grimes has the volume turned all the way up. Reporting live from BC Line training camp. The two DBs who were born just 19 days apart 28 years ago met on a football field in Seattle as kids and have been inseparable ever since. He actually only stayed about six, six blocks up the street from where my house was at. So walk up to his house, you know, get ready at his house for football practice or get ready at my house, you know, things like that. Man, I mean, it goes way, way, way back. You know, I don't want to incriminate myself, but we did some dumb kid stuff. But here we are, man, so, uh, you know, I can't complain. They're here now because Grimes signed as a free agent in the offseason with the Lions after five years in Edmonton. These two graduated high school together, then played at different colleges, but now they're together again a decade after they last played on the same team. Lee convinced his buddy Vancouver was the place to be. It's cool to be a Lion and it's closer to home and it's Vancouver and it's beautiful here. And he was like, oh, come, come to Edmonton. I'm like, uh. It's been a special friendship on and off the field. They both have families now and are the godparents of each other's children. It's a responsibility you only give to someone you trust. And these two defensive backs have had each other's backs from the very beginning. Growing up, there was a lot of gang activity and stuff. And we were so focused on football that we took each other away from it. And now look at us, you know, we got families and we're doing the right things and our family's proud of us and that's huge. It doesn't mean the two best buddies don't trade a little trash talk. Both have had very similar career numbers. Lee, five years with the Lions, 12 interceptions and a touchdown. Grimes, five years with the Eskimos, 11 interceptions and two touchdowns. I would definitely lock TJ down. So that's my last and final answer. Giannis, do you want his hair? Um, I do not want his hair, but I wanted, always wanted a beard, and he has a beard, and I told him if I had a beard, it would look better than his. <laughs> I haven't had a short haircut since middle school, and TJ is so jealous. He wishes he could grow a beard and long hair, but he, he tries, 
But it, it, it takes him forever, and he gets a little mini afro. It just don't work. But he's pretty jealous. He just want to admit it. Like all of that at tennis. Roger Federer, French Open, has not lost a set so far this year's French Open. Here's a great shot. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's ridiculous. He moved on to the fourth round. So did Rafael Nadal. Still. Debris from the satellite. Yes, with Squire Barnes. You can see it behind us, floating mm -hmm. through the air. Well, not the air, obviously, space. But that's a science thing, and we're not here to do that. So the first thing we're going to talk about is baseball, because we have two mm -hmm. great catches to show you. And actually, the one I'm going to show you at the beginning happened, I think, today. That's how recent we are. Huh. There we go. Honest. So this is college baseball. And third baseman basically loses this ball in the sun. But his buddy from shortstop position comes over and saves him by wow. pulling that one right off his belt, basically. One more look. He can't see anything. And there's it. He went right behind him. And he makes the, uh, the brilliant grab and then does the Gary <laughs> Lewis-type fall. Anyway, this is better. Softball, women's softball. This one's going deep. She does not care if there's a fence there. Her sole purpose in life is to focus in on that baseball and make the catch. Good for her. She did have to pay for breaking the fence, but outside of that, she made a beautiful catch. And wow. she is okay. Oh, she's okay. Waving the ball around there. She's she all right. Lies on the ground. Okay, so uh, commercials now. First of all, romance and how it connects with Skittles. Katie. 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 Mm. 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 Mm. Katie. 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 Mm. So last week, I think we showed you one of the Warburton's commercials. It was the this bread company, from right? From England, yes. And yep. they, they love to spend the money on their ads, and they had the Muppets. Last That's week. right. Now, that had been big money. This week, I'm going to show you one where they also spent big money on a man named Robert De Niro. Here we go. Mr. Warburton, Robert De Niro's waiting. No, I'm not. Jonathan, what do you call this? Bolton bakes best bagel? My butt. Well, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to bake bagels. I'm not done. Me and my New York associates, we've been thinking, who's this skinny kid muscling in on the bagel business? Skinny, that's all. I'm still not done. You got a nice family business here, Johnny boy. Very nice. And it's given me an idea. Picture this. I take my family business to Bolton. It's me, my crew, and some local mook team. All right, lads. Here for the bakery tour. Shut up and drive. And what do you know? The perfect product falls straight in our lap. Take a break. Go fill them with something nice. Then the boys go to work. Oh. There's Benny Slice. Yeah. 
Tony Two Bagels, Slice of Pickle, Slice of Pickle, and Jimmy Butterfingers. And after a little bit of this and a little bit of that, say hello to good bagels. But you want to make it in the bagel business, you got to break some breads. Now, once we've taken care of the competition, ashes to ashes, crust to crust, all we got to do is sit back and watch the dough roll in. Bing, bada boom. You're looking at the new boss of Bolton. Sounds like a great movie. What movie? How does it end? Not well. New Warburton's Bagels. Don't forget about it. How much do you think? I mean, he can't get out of bed for less than a million dollars. I think that's a, that's a seven-figure hit. That's a seven. Unless he would take it in bagels, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. It's so long. Bagel. Where would this just online? Would you say? Yeah. Uh, no, I think. Well, no, I think. I think in England they will run them. You run the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, run the whole thing. So. I mean, they paid the man Forget big about money. It. They're going to run him. Forget about it. You're sure. right. Uh, weekends here. Last word before we go. Yeah, plenty of sunshine for us closer to the coast. All Temperatures right. Temperatures 21 to 25 degrees. Enjoy it. All right, thanks for watching. Have a good weekend, and we'll see you Monday.